You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Southside Baptist Church, located in Florence, South Carolina. We now have two services, a classic service at 8.30 and a modern service at 11 o'clock. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. Wonderful worship here this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And uh, this is our last week in 1 Corinthians. And we've been in church in the wild for 20 weeks off and on. We've took some breaks in between. But um, we'll finish this up. And we'll get into a new series here um, relatively, uh, relatively soon. We're going to start in verse 5 in chapter 16. It reads, I am coming to visit you after... I have been to Macedonia, for I am planning to travel through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay a while with you, possibly all winter. And then you can send me on my way to my next destination. This time, I don't want to make just a short visit and then uh, go um, right on my way. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. In the meantime... In the meantime, I will be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide open door for a great work here. Although, although many oppose me. When Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He was a young preacher. He is doing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessing. And when he returns to me, I expect to come with the other believers. Now, About your brother Apollos, I urge him to visit you with the other believers, but he was not willing to go right now. He will see you later when he has the opportunity. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Father, we come to you in prayer that as we dive into your word, that may we seek to follow your will. May we seek to know your will. And all that we do. And maybe right now there are some who are seeking and wondering, God, where are you leading me? God, which way should I turn left? Should I turn right? God, I need your direction. God, I need you to speak to me. We love you. We praise you. And everyone said, amen. So we're looking at God's will. And we all have asked that at some point in time in our life. Maybe it was about where you're going to go to college. Maybe it was about who you were going to marry. Maybe it was about, should I buy this house? Should I make this investment? Should I do this? Should I do that? And we all have wondered, God, what are you up to? God, what should I do? God, will you show me in which direction I should go or the decision I should make? And so let's narrow this down from the get-go. And um, we're going to see, even with the Apostle Paul, that even the Apostle Paul didn't always know which, God, which way God was directing. But he always found out. He always found out. There's three aspects of God's will. And this is not in your notes. I added, it, added this a little bit uh, later on. But three aspects of God's will. The first one is God's dispositional will. In other words, his attitude. His attitude. Now, what, was, what would be his attitude? God wishes that all people, regardless of who you are, that you repent and that you come to him in salvation. That you come to be a part of the family of God. He desires that. Also, Scripture mentions that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell, 
But he knows without Christ, that's where we all are headed and what we all deserve. But God, out of his grace and mercy, has offered salvation through Jesus Christ. And he, he offers it to give to you today. And, um, and so I want you to know that as I thought I quickly could adjust my cord, that I can't. There we go. Um, that That's his disposition. It's his attitude. He desires all to come to repentance. Secondly, it's his revealed will. Revealed will. What does that mean? It sounds just like it sounds. That there are certain things God has revealed to us, uh, to the world, to believers, that he wants us to know. Things he wants us to do. That he is clear. Where do we find out that information? Well, right in the Bible. The Bible is God's word given to us, revealed to us, special revelation given to us for us to know how we should walk and what we should do. Jesus said, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. In another parable of the sons, Jesus rebukes the chief priests and elders for failing to do the will of the father. Jesus was all about doing the will of his father, and we should be the same. So when it comes to revealed will, so... um, when it comes to this, for example, if, you're, um, if you need money and you're wondering, okay, should I get a job or should I rob a bank? Well, God's revealed will is it would be sinful to, uh, to rob a bank. There's some obvious things you may think are obvious, but today in our world, some things aren't that obvious. Like, for example, there's some Christians in our world today in our culture says, hey, if you like somebody and you love somebody, and you think, hey, this might be a future spouse. You should move in together first. Biblically, ooh, God says, no, 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 that's not how this works. The world has its wisdom. God has its wisdom. And it's the opposite of the world. Or even furthermore, when it comes to relationships and you're looking to date somebody, the Bible is very clear. Christian, you should marry a Christian. Therefore, if you should marry a Christian, you should date a Christian. You'll marry who you date, right? So the Bible says be equally yoked. In other words, be of the same value and same mind when it comes to being followers of Christ. And so if you're wondering, should I date that person? Should I not date this person? Well, that gives you a little clue. And you may not, you may not always know um, exactly who you should date, but the Bible gives us some revealed will from God that he makes it clear in his word. Ten Commandments help us. It's a guide leading us to Christ. And so it's so important that, Christian, that you're in, the God, in, in God's Word, that you're reading the Bible so you know what you should do. He's revealed it to you. Then there's God's sovereign will, or we might say his hidden will. His hidden will. I think of the story of Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph, I won't go into complete detail, but Joseph was the youngest of the brothers at that time. And his brothers who were older, man, they hated him. His father played favorites, and they hated him because of it. And his own brothers, own family, man, sold him into slavery. Think about that for a second. You thought you had family issues. They sold him into slavery. And he probably, God, what is going on? God, have you forsaken me? And so he gets purchased by Potiphar. He's in Potiphar's house. He's doing a great job. Potiphar's like, man, I like this guy. And then Potiphar's wife gets the googly eyes for Joseph because he's handsome. And uh, he doesn't sleep with her. He runs out. She accuses him of sexual assault. Of course, he didn't do anything. I think Potiphar kind of knew that. He could have had him killed, but he sent him to prison instead. And God's favor is upon Joseph. 
He's there for two or three years. In fact, God's favor so much upon Joseph that he ends up running the prison. That's God's favor. Now, God ended up using that situation, and he had some awful, evil things happen to him that, as Scripture says, man meant for evil, but God meant for good. He can take an evil situation and turn around for his glory. And there's some things that will happen in your life, that will happen in my life, that we go, I don't know what God is up to. And he may seem insignificant. It may seem like this is evil. This, This is not of the Lord. And you know what? It's not. And some of the things that happened to Joseph were not of the Lord. But God used it anyway in his sovereign, hidden will to use it for his glory. I'm sure there's, if we were to, if we were to poll everybody secretly and he said, here's some evil things that happened to me. Why, why did God allow that to happen? I can't answer that. But what I do know is he can turn it around and use it for his glory. Think about it like this. In every kitchen in America, well, practically, there's a blender. And you end up taking different individual foods that may not be good with and of themselves, just by themselves. But you, you add in the right stuff in that blender. And, of course, you hit the blender and it all mixes up together and you can make something beautiful. You're taking something that's independent of the food itself and you're merging it. You're, you're, you are uniting it and you're making something delicious out of it. And God's sovereign hidden will is kind of like that. Maybe you've heard that illustration of the quilt and grandma making a quilt. And of course, she had, knows the finished pattern. She can see up above. She can see all the details and how beautiful the quilt is. But if you were to look underneath, you can see all the different strings and all the mess ups and things that don't look quite right. It seems that God's sovereign will is similar. And so even some of the things that have happened in your life that you don't quite understand, God can use. And he will turn around what men meant for evil and he'll use it for his good. You've heard of Romans 8, 28. You've heard of Romans 8, 28, where it says, And we know that all things work together, God's blender, for the good of those who love God. That's key. Do you love him? Do you love him? If you love him, live for him. If you love him, follow his revealed will. He'll work everything else out. To those who are called according to his purpose. But I want you to know something when it comes to God's will, that even when we are filled with the spirit, even when we are doing right and we are in the middle of God's will, this is the first point. Being in the middle of God's will is not always what you would expect. Now notice, notice here back to our main passage um, when it comes to first uh, Corinthians six and you notice a couple of different passages. It says, that Paul, who's in the middle of writing God's word, think about that, the responsibility of writing God's word, filled with the spirit, an apostle being greatly used by God. And yet we see as he's writing here, there's uncertainty. He says in verse six, perhaps I will stay a while with you, possibly all winter. Possibly, I don't, I don't quite know. He goes on, if the Lord will let me, I will stay longer. You ever, say, you ever said to yourself or said to somebody else, well, Lord willing, I'll be there. Lord willing, I'll see you then. That's what Paul is saying. Lord willing, I'll see you. Lord willing, I'll stay a while. In God's plan, being right in the middle of his plan may just include for you some uncertainty. And if that was that way for Paul, it'll be the same way for you as well. God's plan may include, may include powerful opponents, powerful, 
powerful opposition. He said there in Ephesus, there is a wide open, wide open. No one else is here. No church is here. A wide open door for a great work, although many oppose me. Not some, not one or two. He says, now there's many who oppose me. And if you read the book of Acts, when it came to him starting that church in Ephesus, I mean, Paul made some people angry, man. Not intentionally. So he goes, so many people are getting saved that it started to hurt the silversmith's business and the salespeople's business of selling these silver idols. And they realized, we don't need that idol. We serve the living God. We don't need these idols anymore. And it started to hurt their pocketbook. And man, the silversmith got people riled up. And a mob came after Paul. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to get him. And in fact, there's even one circumstance in Acts where some, there was 40 men who said, we're not going to eat until we kill Paul. Woo! Put yourself in Paul's shoes for a second. You're doing God's will. You're going where you think God wants you to go. And there's 40 men who are like, not only do we want to kill you, we're not going to eat until we kill you. That's some serious business. That's getting a little hot in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? And yet you're in the middle of God's will. That's what Paul had to deal with. And you may just be in the middle of God's will and you're dealing with some family issues and you're wondering what's going on. Paul had opposition. You'll have opposition. In church, sometimes you get opposition. In your family, you get opposition. In your workplace, you can get opposition. And you may be wondering, where's God at? Right in the middle of it. And God delivered Paul there in Ephesus. God did a great work in starting that church. But he had strong opposition. And don't, don't be surprised if you're in the middle of God's will, doing God's work, and you have some opposition. It will happen. He had power struggles. He had disagreements. That's just a part of it. I heard someone say once, if you haven't met Satan head on lately, maybe you're headed in the right direct, the same direction. And <laughs> that can be the case. And Paul knew, he knew he wasn't heading the same direction as old Satan. He was going and opposing him. So how, how do you follow God's will when you're unsure, when you're uncertain about what to do? How, how do you know? And this is a good question. So let's look at a couple things here, and we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit here in the Bible. But here's number one, focus on the facts. That's number one. And it says in Proverbs 19, enthusiasm without knowledge, in other words, passion without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. We've heard it said before, old saying, haste makes waste. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. It's the same way today as it was back then, that sometimes people make a mess in their own life. They don't want to listen to the preacher. They don't want to listen to their godly parents or godly people in the church, and they may make a huge mess out of their lives, out of their uh, marriages, and out of, their, out of their own families, and they want to blame everybody else for the issues. And man, if there's a day and age where people just want to blame everybody else for the issues in their life, it is today. It is today. And you need to focus on the facts. There's some facts, we've heard it said before that, um, and there's some good, I guess, to this a little bit, fake it until you make it. Well, sometimes we have to all grow into a position. There's going to be some truth to that a little bit. But if you don't know what you're doing 
and you're just, you just have passion, which is a definitely a great quality for somebody who is new somewhere. But man, I tell you what, if there's a brain surgeon and he's not qualified, but he's passionate, I don't, I don't want him working on me. I don't want him working on you. I don't want that person around if, they're, if they have some great response, responsibility. But when it comes to facts, though, there are life facts and there are spiritual facts. The life facts should be what we call common sense or something the common person should know. Life facts are something you can count, you can measure, you can look at. For example, I mean, if uh, you're wondering, um, God, should I buy this home, but yet your income doesn't even come close and you know it's going to make a strain and stress out your family, maybe your marriage, maybe God's not in that. I may not be in that. And there's some common sense things you can look at in your life when it comes to bills, when it comes to money, when it comes to raising children, when it comes to your marriage. You know, if you're um, never spending time with your spouse, you're never dating, you're never doing things together, and you're just kind of in your own little world, um, you might want to take a step back and go, wait a second. One, God's word does speak to that, but two, some common sense of going, maybe there's something different we need to try here. You know, maybe in your life you, you have some health issues, right? Some life facts would be maybe it's a bad idea to eat 10 pieces of pizza. Maybe that's a, unless it's Pizza Hut, then that's probably okay. I love Pizza Hut. But you get my point. There's just some common sense things. Focus on the facts. Then there's spiritual facts. Spiritual facts are in the Bible. Tells me what to do and what not to do. God's will is knowable and is provable. I can prove it to you. Through Scripture. It says in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 tells us this. And do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so there's some things you can know in his revealed will that he's given you. That you don't have to wonder about. You can test it. You can see that it's approved. And you can do that through his word. You can know those spiritual truths. And that's for every single believer. For every single Christian. A child of God who refuses to be conformed to the world and instead allows himself to be transformed by the Spirit, his mind is renewed according to the things of God, then he can know. Will you let God transform your mind? Will you let him renew your mind? In other words, change your thinking? Sometimes when God, you know, he saves us, we're saved, we're born again, but we still have a way of thinking issue. We have a, I guess you could say a software issue. Something needs to be changed. He'll change it. He'll upgrade it to help you think like he thinks. And the word of God helps us do just that. And as we seek God's will, we should make sure what we are considering is not something the Bible just forbids. And if it forbids it, it says, thou shall not do this, don't do it. God's not going to give you any more revelation if he's already spoken to it. My father had something he would say um, when I was a kid. And he would say, after he told us to do something and we didn't listen, he would say this, did I stutter? That means dad's getting a little irritated. 
That means dad might, you know, have some dis- we may have some discipline coming our way when dad says, did I stutter? And so that means, yes, sir. Uh, he, you know, he's not going to repeat it. And God didn't stutter in his word. And if he's already clearly told us, listen, you're special to God, but you're not that special. He's going to repeat exactly what he already put. And so we need to follow his word. What's the other thing you should do? So you, get, you don't ignore the facts. Look at the facts, the life facts, the spiritual facts that are found in the word of God. And here's the other one is pray about it. Pray about it. You might be in a situation, you don't know how to pray about it. I mean, you know how to pray, but you don't know what to say. You need some wisdom. You need some direction. And you may think, man, why would I bring this to God? Because I feel a little silly bringing it to him. He loves to hear from you. That's what it says in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, and many times we do, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Isn't that awesome? What what an awesome promise from the Lord that when we're uncertain of what to pray and we know that this Bible is not speaking to that situation, that as we humbly come to God and say, God, I need your help. I need your direction. He'll help us. He'll direct us. And I'm thankful for that. You know, someone said once that, Prayer is like a time exposure to God. Our souls function like the old type photographic plates. And Christ's shining image is the light. And I like how they put this. The more we expose our lives to the white hot sun of his righteous life, 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes, the more his image will be burned into our character his love, his compassion, his truth, his integrity, his humility. Man, prayer changes us. And sometimes it's not always about changing the situation. Sometimes it's about God changing us in the situation. Prayer does much. We could go more and more about in the prayer, but we're going to dive into the next one is seek wise counsel. Scripture says this, plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Get all the advice and instruction you can, and so you will be wise the rest of your life. There's a, a Bible says that through a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Get and seek wise counsel, whether it's from one of our pastors, myself, staff members, deacons, some of our connection group teachers. I mean, a mature believer could be your parent. I mean, I don't know who it could be for you. Seek wise counsel. Investigate. Seek it out. The Lord will give you the counsel you need. He'll help you. Just don't ask just anybody. Sometimes as believers, and some Christians do this, well, I need some wise counsel. And they'll turn and they'll go, what does a horoscope say this week? Ooh, touching a button there, ain't I? You don't need that. Uh, what does the tarot card say? I better go see such and such. God's not in that. In fact, the Bible clearly speaks about Christians messing with the things of the darkness. I need to go see a palm reader. You don't need that. You have the Spirit of God who lives inside of you, who's there to help you. And you don't need that other stuff. And some Christians are flirting with that, and they wonder why they're not going to hear from the Lord. As long as you're flirting with that stuff, don't expect the Spirit of God to come on in. He's going to ignore it. 
He's going to stay away from you in the sense of filling you because he's not, God's not, when, when you're riding the fence between the things of darkness and the things of God, guess what? You made a decision because the things of God are not going to stay in that. Get away from it. What should you do? I'm not here to belittle you, but I'm here to warn you. Confess it to God. Get it right with him. He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you because what's happened is you've grieved the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, his feelings are hurt. The Holy Spirit is God. And we need to confess it and get it right. And ask the Holy Spirit to come back into our lives. Yes, every, spirit, every, every believer is indwelt by the Spirit of God. It's true. But there's different times of filling, and we need filled. We need led by him. Seek wise counsel. Here's the other one. It may seem a little weird at first when I say this. Do what you think is best. Do what you think is best. And, and you may think and, 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 and go, well, wait a second. Like, I need to depend upon the Lord. Yes, I need to completely hear from God for everything. Is that what happened to Paul? The answer is no. Paul didn't always know what the future held. In fact, Paul didn't make a lot of future plans. Now, I'm not saying don't make plans. I, I, make, I make making plans. I like having goals. Nothing wrong with that. But we're going to see as a lot of the short-term um, got, uh, that he didn't know a lot of the, what was going to happen um, down the road. And, and notice with me is that that you simply need to come to a point where you make a decision. They say in leadership that if you are 80% sure, do it. Because if you wait till you're 100% sure, guess what, my friend? It's too late. And some of you right now, and I've seen this with friends, godly people in the, in the church before, where they're 80% sure, God, I think you want me to do this, but I need to be 100% sure. You want to know what? You're never going to be 100% sure. You want to know why? It's very simple. Because as Christians, we walk by faith and not by sight. And there must be room for faith. And faith is believing that God is telling the truth. And we step out on faith and we do it. So where are you at? Are you 80% sure? Do it. But what if I fail? Do it. If you wait till you're 100% sure to be a missionary, you'll never be a missionary. If you wait till you're 100% sure to start that ministry, you'll never start that ministry. There's no room for faith. And God rewards faith. He rewards it. And so you must step out. Notice this with me. Now I say, but what if I mess up? You're going to like this. This is good. All right, I like this. Notice Acts chapter 16. I think this is verse 6 through 8, if you guys will show that. There we go. Next, Paul and Silas are traveling through the area of uh, Pergaia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had what? prevented them. Well, wait a second. This is the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, surely he was being led by the Spirit and everything that he did, he didn't always know. But this is also what happens. From the preaching and the word in the province of Asia that, at that time, then coming to the borders of uh, Masaya, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, Again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Paul hadn't sinned. Paul was doing what was right. 
He's trying to take the gospel. And yet he thought he knew where we need, he needed to go and those who were with him. And yet the Holy Spirit blocked him twice. But Paul didn't whine. Paul didn't go, oh, woe is me. The Spirit has blocked me. God's being unfair, but I want to go there. He didn't act like a child. If you read on, Paul ended up having a dream. It was about going to Macedonia. Paul wakes up, looks around. Hey, Silas, guys, I know where God wants us to go. We're going to Macedonia. Okie dokie. Boom, they went. God wasn't ready for whatever reason. God, maybe the people there weren't ready. Maybe the circumstances wasn't right. The Holy Spirit, who is God, he knows. And listen, if you are a well-meaning Christian and you love Jesus and you're trying to do God's will and that's what you desire and what you care about and you're going to try to do something, God loves you enough. The Holy Spirit will go, not now. Or go this way instead. He loves you enough to do that. And so they went to Macedonia. God's will is often revealed in the moment rather than down the road. And so we walk by faith. If God would give you and show you all the steps in which you needed to take, you wouldn't need faith. Also, if God showed you the next 100 steps, the 100 steps, let's let's just be honest, most of us would forget anyway. I mean, If we knew the next hundred things we need to do, we would forget. If we wrote them down in our calendar or on a piece of paper, half of us would lose it. We might, what did I do with that piece of paper? I know I just had it here. And next to, oh, I need to pay my taxes. You know, I I mean, that's that's what we do. If we put it in our phone, we might even forget to uh, uh, put it, uh, put on the alarm. Like we would miss out concerning his will. And so it's meant for him to reveal it. Day by day. Make long-term plans? Absolutely. God's will is often revealed in the moment rather than down the road. Be willing to pivot. In other words, be flexible. Be flexible. Be ready to pivot. Be ready to go in another direction. Be ready. James tells us, look here. You who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and I will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's there for a little while, but then it's gone. What what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that, Lord willing. Here's the sixth thing you should know when it comes to, when you're unsure about God's will, is be patient. Be patient and live in faith. And as Paul told the church there in Corinth, he said, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. In the NIV, it says, act like men. In other words, I want you to be courageous like men of God and do everything you do. Do it in love. We don't like to be patient. We don't like to hear that. I don't like to hear that. I'm sure many of you don't like to hear that. It's kind of like when you're, uh, you know, you're arguing with your wife or you're having a discussion or maybe she's upset and you use the, uh, the classic line, just calm down. It's kind of like saying that in the church and when you're preaching, just be patient, church. What? I don't like to hear that. By the way, have you ever told your wife to calm down? I did the first year. I haven't told her that since, I don't think. 
Some marriage advice. Doesn't work. But God sees the whole picture. He sees the past. He sees the present. He sees the future. The future of our lives. He teaches and counsels us through his revealed, uh, as as he's revealed himself through his word and the spirit. God has made this promise to us. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye. We even see that Scripture says that after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. I'll end with this. The truth about God's will and open doors. And the truth is, an open door, as Paul experienced, doesn't always mean smooth sailing. From Paul being in Ephesus, from Moses, even chosen by God to lead out his people, Israel, Though God was with him, man, he had so many issues with Pharaoh, times in which they thought they were going to die. Throughout Scripture, you see time and time again, wonderful believers who their backs were up against the wall. They met great opposition, but it was a time for the Lord to come through. We also see this. We also see when it comes to truth about God's will and open door, that God's hand is best seen in the rear view Mirror. It's best seen in the rearview mirror. God doesn't want us to look to live a life just looking in the rearview mirror, but there's times, church, you need to look back on God's faithfulness and look and see how faithful He's been to you, how He's taken care of you. And if He's taken care of you before and He's been faithful, He will be faithful again. You got to make a choice. And lastly, if we do the right thing, we'll always end up in the right place. And we see this again and again from the Apostle Paul to Timothy to other believers, from Paul being ambushed, from Paul using the legal system to get out of the ambush. Man, if you think the Bible is boring, you should read the Bible more. It's amazing to see how God has come through, how God has been faithful. And you can trust in him. One of my favorite Bible verses is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So church, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what decision you need to make today. But I want you to know you have a God who loves you and greatly cares about you. Whether you understand what's going on or you have no clue what he's up to, you can trust that he will lead correctly every believer who acknowledges and will put their faith and trust in him. Let's go in an attitude of prayer for a minute or two. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching. And it's time for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've tried doing things your own way. Maybe you've made a mess. It's easy to do. It's easy to make a mess of our own lives. But thankfully, God's full of grace and mercy. And he wants to bestow it upon you. If you will pray, repent, 
of your sins. Ask Christ to save you. He will save you. He will change you. In fact, he'll completely change you if you let him. And your life doesn't have to be the same. Have you accepted Jesus? If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? None of us are going to heaven because we're good or we're good enough or because we're church people. We're going to heaven because there was a time in our lives we repented of our sins and we gave our life to Christ. That's it. Would you like to do that? Pray with me. Pray, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that for the first time, will you raise your hand high and show it to the God, show it to the Lord, that God, I'm giving my life to you this morning. So Pastor Lucas, there's something I'm praying about in my life. I know Christ as my Savior, but I'm seeking God's will in something, in an area in my life. Just pray for me. Just raise your hand high. Show it to God. There's an area in my life I'm praying right now. I see that hand. Many. God, I pray for those who are raising their hands this morning. You know their need. I pray that you reveal yourself to them. We love you. We praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for being here.